To me, submitting is a very difficult thing. It's a realization that you're not in control and you can't snap your fingers and make something appear or disappear. You can't magically cure anything. You have to submit to God. And that in itself is a very hard thing. It's a constant battle. In our situation, we have to be willing to submit to the Lord, submit to the Father. It's not like submitting to earthly things. It's about fully submitting the situation and yourself to God. Because the Lord tells you over and over, do not fear, trust me. Trust me, give it to me. And submitting is a very difficult thing who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Let the church say amen again. One for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit. I've been in church my whole life. I've always had a church home. I've always had a church family people that I did life with, even when I was a child. But I've also frequently been a first-time guest at various churches. So then I've witnessed uh, the many ritualistic protocols that are employed for first-time guests. Uh, here at the factory, we have these, because we just want to make it easy for you. At other churches I've been in, when I was first-time guest, they'd simply have you stand up and people clap for you. I've been in churches where they had the first-time guests stand, and then they'd ask you, say something. <laughs> Y'all already know where I'm going with that. Uh, for any pastor in the room, that's probably the worst thing you can do to a first-time guest. So first-time guests, I want you to say something. I've been first-time guest in churches where they had you stand up and the people near you reached out, shook your hand, told you how happy they were that you were there and you were amazing. And while they were doing that, the band was simultaneously playing an Israel Holden song. And, um, and then uh, members from all over the building scurried up to you to tell you how they were happy you were there. I've seen it all. I'm not here to conjure up criticism about any of the methods or means that people use to welcome first-time guests. I do have a question. What do you do when Jesus is the first-time guest? Because that's what we see in Luke chapter 2 today, verses 22 through 38. We see Jesus is the first time guest, and that's my simple sermon title, Jesus was the first time guest. Let's pray.
Glory to your name. Glory to your name, Lord. Lord, I, I want you to be glorified. I really do want to get out of your way. I understand that means that I must decrease. You must increase. Holy Spirit, please do now what I know that I cannot do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. In the text, the first time guest, Jesus is brought into the temple by Mary and Joseph. Let me say it this way, if you would allow me to, his earthly parents. I'm using that kind of loosely. His earthly parents. Long story short, they submit to the law. <laughs> they fulfill the law's requirement by presenting Jesus and presenting a sacrifice in the temple. There was a devout man there by the name of Simeon. He was a devout man, an upright man. There was a prophet by the name of Anna. They were both there. They respond to Jesus in a visceral manner <laughs> because Jesus is the first-time guest like no other first-time guest. They don't need to be coached, Anna and Simeon, on what to do. But when they see Jesus, it's on. When they experience his presence, it's on. It's quiet in here. Y'all know Jesus? Jesus was the first time guest. It's the first time guest number one, Brittany, to be presented, to be presented. You can write that in your uh, first time guest cards. It's the first time guest to be presented. It's verses 22 through 24. When the time came for their purification, you want to underline anytime you see anything about the law in this text, according to the law of Moses, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in what? The law of the Lord. Highlight that. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. I got to stop and say, hold on. This is Jesus. Jesus ain't every firstborn male. This is Jesus. We ain't talking about Abraham. This is Jesus. We're not talking about Moses. This is Jesus here. We're not talking about John the Baptist that we saw in chapter 1. This is Jesus. I know his parents still submitted to the law. Not, it won't be a lot of amens today, uh, but I need you to know his parents did what they were supposed to do. Verse 24, and they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord. Highlight that, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So what we see here in the text is Mary and Joseph, in case you don't get it, obeying the law. The law is mentioned four times in this section. It's in verse 22, it's in verse 23, it's in verse 24, it's in verse 27. What Luke is trying to help us to see is the law has moral value to Jesus' parents. They understand because the angel has talked to them who they got. They understand who, who he is, but they still value, I keep calling it the law, and it is, they still value the word. I'm, 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 I'm going to get out of your way in just a minute. Verse 22 starts off by saying, when the time came. <laughs> I read that over and over this week. Don't just read the Bible swiftly. It says, when the time came. Let me say that again. My mic on. It says, when 
the time came. In other words, they're not on their own timetable. In other words, they don't get to set their own spiritual alarm clock. In other words, they don't get to have their own agenda. They're not on their time. The law sets their time. I'm trying. The law, the law sets their time for them, even though they're rolling with the fulfiller of the law. But my Bible says in verse 22, when the time came, when the time came, when the time came, they didn't pop that he's the fulfiller of the law. They, they, they just simply do what the law says. And I told my wife when I was reading this this week, I, I, I don't want to spend my time wasting my time. So some things I used to do, I don't do anymore. I ain't on the phone as much as I used to be. I, I can't tell you when the last time I've been on Facebook scrolling. Not that I'm better than people on Facebook. I just, I don't want to spend my time wasting my time. What am I supposed to be doing? When the time came, when the time came, there were three things that were part of the elements of what they were supposed to be doing. First thing is this, Mary's got to be purified. Not a lot of amens on this. I'm just trying to teach you today. Mary has to be purified. Uh, you can write this down, Leviticus 12, 6 through 8. Go read this stuff this week. You'll see this stuff. Uh, what that involved from Mary was a sacrifice being offered at the Nicanor Gate. She's got to offer the sacrifice. It's at the court of women. Here's the irony. <laughs> Pre-incarnation, Mary was considered pure. It was the incarnation that made her pure. I mean, impure. Uh, that, that blows my mind. Let me say that again. Pre-incarnation, according to Jewish law, she was fine. It was after the incarnation that she was impure. And the reason that blows my mind, you would just think, I, I don't know any other way to say it. God will hook her up. I mean, I, got, I had Jesus inside of me. Surely I don't have to do what these other women do. Surely there's a shortcut here. My baby cuter than these other babies. My baby is more inerted than any of these other babies in the building. Surely I ain't got to get up when the soccer game is on. Messy. But, 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 but she's impure. And, and so after the birth of a son, the mother was ceremonially unclean for seven days. Then you've got to get that boy circumcised. We saw that last week. And, and, and the mother had to remain at home for 33 days. So 40 days later, she does what the law tells her to do. She brings Jesus in. Verse 24 lets me know they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, that Mary offered a dove as a sin offering for her purification indicates that the mother of God's son needs forgiveness too. That the mother of God's son, she needs redemption too by the very son that she had in her belly. She, she, she ain't doing this just for form and fashion. Uh, let me say it this way. She needs a savior too. <laughs> uh, she needs a healer too. She needs a redeemer too. She needs somebody to take. Mary, Mary ain't perfect either. Here at the factory, we don't worship Mary. Here at the factory, we don't worship the, fa the pastor because I need, I need forgiveness too. I need a redeemer too. I, I need a savior too. So Mary ain't just showing up with these animals uh, to check this stuff off of her list. The very baby she carried, she needed. 
I'm all for cute. I'm all for cuddly and all of that. But, but, but we got to go beyond that for Christmas, man. Jesus is more than a cute baby. He really is the Savior. So the second thing that's a part of the process, and Luke doesn't really write about this, the second thing is the redemption of the firstborn son. Uh, You'll see it in Exodus 13. You want to write this stuff down, verses 1 and 2. This involved five shekels. You'll see this in Numbers 3, 47 through 48. Go read all of this stuff this week. Luke doesn't even mention this. I like that. Luke has an agenda. And so the third thing that we see is the consecration of the firstborn son. I'll be finished with this part soon, but you want to go study this stuff because it'll bless you to see that they didn't bypass it. I'm not just giving it to you to give you a bunch of stuff to write down. They didn't bypass it. The consecration of the firstborn son. Go look at 1 Samuel chapter 1. You'll see in verse 23, it says, as it is written, in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. So the third step, verse 23, demonstrates that to Luke, he's focusing on this, the Savior's consecration. He's not really focusing on his redemption or even Mary's purification. He doesn't, that's why this section is short. He ain't really focusing on that. In the case of Jesus no redemption price was paid. Golly, I wish y'all were nerds like me. Let me say that again. In the case of Jesus, no redemption price was paid for the child was not redeemed. He was rather consecrated. Why wasn't he redeemed? Let me say it this way. He didn't need to be. <laughs> Oh, okay. he, he, he ain't need to be. He, he didn't look at the internet and lust. He ain't go out and get high. He didn't snap and anger. I'm just trying to bring y'all sins. I'm just, you know, the sins we can relate to. He didn't cuss somebody out. He didn't need to be redeemed. What he did need to be is consecrated for service. Why? We needed it. We needed him to be consecrated for service. The very mother that carried him, she needed his service. The very daddy that walked with her needed the atoning work of Jesus. Every bishop you know, every apostle, every pastor, all of us need his work. All of us need his service. Why? Because our works, our service cannot save us. So here's what we see, Grant. We see Mary and Joseph. They have Jesus but they employ pious obedience to the law. They could have said, we're too poor. We're too poor. We don't even have a lamb, which is required. We, we, we don't have a lamb plus a young pigeon plus a turtle dove, but they didn't make any excuses. They gave what the poor people were supposed to give. They could have said, you know what, uh, uh, we don't have to pay a sacrifice because we have the sacrifice. Uh, uh, that's the ultimate excuse. Uh, we, we don't have to obey the law because we roll in with the Lord. The ultimate excuse, they don't use it. They could have said, bump the law, but not really. That's what some of us would have done. Here's what I want us to get from them. Jesus should never be your excuse to disobey. I'm talking about the word. He should never be your excuse to disobey God's will, God's way. Never. Christianity should never be our excuse to get off the hook. Sometimes I wish Jesus gave me some cool stuff to preach. That'll make you shout and laugh. But this stuff will do you good. 
Man, I, I, I have more respect for Mary and Joseph than I ever have just looking at them the last few weeks. I mean, here's a pregnant lady. You're walking on a donkey all of those miles. You don't take any shortcuts. Sounds like a good mom, man. <laughs> what we see from Mary and Joseph again is pious obedience to the law, to the law of Moses, to the law of the Lord. So their mindset was purification is needed. Okay, we got to set our son apart. Okay, uh, the firstborn child must be offered and presented to the Lord if that's what you want. Okay, uh, we're supposed to offer a sacrifice. Okay, we have the sacrifice, but you want a sacrifice. Okay, <laughs> we have Jesus, but he won't be our excuse to disobey. Uh, let me ask you, does your brand of Christianity come with built-in excuses? Jesus, Mary and Joseph could have said, Jesus, we bring in a pretty special first-time guest but he won't be our excuse. Christians, no more excuses. Let me say that again. No more excuses. I know I'm talking to somebody. You know what you're supposed to do. No more excuses. No more needing the worship team to pump you. I told myself I'm not preaching loud today. I just want you to hear me. I love preaching. I love preaching. But read the Bible for yourself. I love the factory. I go here. I'm a member here. But 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 love the Lord outside of the factory. Somebody say to yourself, look, say to yourself, no more excuses. Because you know how many great ideas in this room? You know how many great callings? I'm talking in this room. Do you know? Check this out. Ain't the only person called in here. Y'all do know that? But sometimes to do God's will, it's hard. And that's where the problem arises, right? We'd rather do something easy, plus we can get paid for it. Some of you are on jobs because it's easier than doing what God has called you to do. And none of this in my notes, but I feel like I'm supposed to say it because I just want you to be in his will. I believe if Mary was here, she wouldn't have a problem testifying. Everything I did, he's worth it. You can clap because you know I'm telling the truth. Everything you do hard for him, is he worth it? He's worth it. So I, I ain't trying to make you amen today. I want us to walk with him. I want us to talk with him. Leah, even if it hurts, even if it makes us cry, even if we got to go to Bethlehem, even if we got to be inconvenienced, even if it means, you know what, we can't do some of the stuff our friends do. No more excuses. Jesus was the first time guest, number one, to be presented, number two, to be praised, to be praised. My mic working? Praised. Praised. That means blessing him with the fruit of your lips. That don't mean thinking about it, but I'm talking about actually opening up your mouth and saying, hallelujah, Lord, you're good. Lord, you're great. Lord, ain't nobody like you. Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. Lord, I could have been dead sleeping in my grave, but you are the only living God. Ain't nobody like you. That's what I'm talking about. He was to be prayed. He wasn't saying, yeah, he's about to sit down and be cute when it comes to Jesus. Every now and then, I'm talking too much, but every now and then, even at the crib, man, my wife will walk by, oh, she'll just walk by, and my lips can't be still. She's a human. 
But when I look at the wonder and the splendor, but when we talk about Jesus, you need to open up your mouth. Verses 25 through 28, we don't see it a lot, but Simeon, a righteous, devout man, praises him. Anna, a widow, a prophet, an older lady, praises him. We don't really see what Anna says. We get to see some of what Simeon says. Can we read it? Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. I love this. I would highlight this. And the Holy Spirit <laughs> rested on him. <laughs> I ain't got to finish reading this. I know something crazy about to happen now. <laughs> the Holy Spirit rested on him. Hey, I know he ain't regular. I know he ain't like just anybody. Something about to jump off. The Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him. Here it is again. By whom? The whole, uh, let me say it this way, by God, because the Holy Spirit is God. By, by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by whom? God. God the Holy Spirit. Simeon came into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the Law. <laughs> Simeon took him in his arms and praised. And what? And praised. And pray. And 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 praise God. You go down to verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. By the way, it's good when you see Jesus to praise him. They was already praising him before they saw him. So when he came, they was already ready. They was loose. They had been stretching in praise. They, they were already ready. And, and it says, at that moment, she came and began to praise God. All week, found myself especially, I talked to the Bible characters, and I talked to Simeon all week. I, I was like, yo, bro, you've been waiting and expecting hope. For the one, the Messiah. Now you've been equipped by the Holy Spirit to recognize the Messiah when he shows up. <laughs> you've been equipped by the Holy Spirit to recognize him and to speak about him when he gets there. And I just asked Simeon all week, how awesome was that? To know that salvation is here. <laughs> to know without a shadow of a doubt that redemption, it's here. Uh, that peace is here. That the reason for Christmas is here, that, that everything I need is here. Yes, he's Googling and gargling, but he's the Savior. Yes, he's helpless, can't feed himself, but he is the Savior. How does it feel not to need Mary to tell you? Joseph don't have to tell you. You're a doggone stranger, but you know. Because the Holy Ghost told you. But I was talking to him, Fred. Man, try to put yourself in the passage. First, you get to. <laughs> Did y'all hear me? I got a great nephew I got to hold for the first time yesterday. And, and that was pretty cool. He grabbing my hair and my, my, my face. But Simeon, this ain't no great nephew right here. You, you get to hold Jesus. 
Man, I wish I had a different church today. I wish I was more in a, in a Pentecostal church today, a tongue-speaking church today, somebody who would run around today. That's kind of what I wish today. Did y'all hear what I just said? He, he, you get to hold Jesus. Oh, do y'all hear me? I, 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 I thought about it. I know how it feels. I know how it feels to have him hold me. I, I know how it feels to have him rock me in the midnight hour in the midst of a tear-stained pillow. I know how that feels. I, I, I know how it feels to have him hold me, and I feel safe and secure, not worrying about anything, but Simeon got to hold him because he was guided by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> And also because Jesus' earthly parents submitted to the law. They were where they needed to be at the right time. So it's almost, this ain't on the screen, but God's providence is fueled by their submission. That's really worth writing down. Let me say that again. God's providence is fueled by their submission. Let me break it down to you this way. Some of you ain't getting what you thought you would have gotten by God because you ain't activated it in your submission. I have two chillings. I have two chillings. I'm not God, but I am smart enough not to give them what they ain't ready for. Blake, his whole life, his whole life, Blake grew up right in good old Cherokee County, Georgia. He's a Cherokeean. He's not a Chicagoan. Guess what Blake has asked me for literally since he was about 10? You know Blake. You know Blake. He wanted a Ford F-150 at, you know, 15, 16. He ain't ready for that. You, you, you got to do, it's not that God is holding back on you, it's that you're holding back on you. So Simeon, you bring Jesus into the temple, or, or excuse me, Mary and Joseph, you bring Jesus into the temple because you're obeying the law. Now look at what's happening. A doggone stranger. No, two strangers are praising him. When you bring Jesus in the house, strange things happen. You, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't even know, Simeon. Uh, now an old woman is praising him. Now a widow, she ain't crying, she ain't sad. She's praising him. All because y'all obeyed the law. Y'all made Jesus a first-time guest that these people needed. This ain't on the screen, but go ahead and write this down. Make it your goal every time you come into this house to bring Jesus in a way that affects others. Every time. I know you might have had a bad morning. I know how it is to argue with your spouse before church. But please make it your goal every time you come in this house that I'm going to bring Jesus up in here in a way that affects even strangers. They ain't going to even know me. But the very person that sits beside me, they ain't going to know what they in for. They ain't going to even have a clue. Bring Jesus in here in a way that you affect even teenagers, in a way that you affect a, a, a widow just like, just like they did. Jesus can do that. Jesus was the first-time guest to be presented, number two, to be praised, number three, to be prophesied, to be prophesied. I'm not talking about what you hear on TV when you hear prophesied. I'm not talking about you get your house, you get your car. I mean to be preached, to be told the truth about. I'm not talking anything deep. I'm just talking about to be uttered from your mouth. You speak in truth about him. Jesus, that happened in this text. It, it, look at the end of verse 28. Let's just read verse 28. It said, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God. I like the next word, my favorite word in the text, saying. <laughs> My favorite word of the text, saying, because a lot of church folks say, you know, well, I ain't got the gift. I, ain't, I can't, I can't, it don't, it don't take all of that. Sometimes you got to open your mouth. 
Sometimes you got to open your mouth. Sometimes you got to open your mouth. You talk about everything else. We're going to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. We talk about football, baseball, apple pie, hot dog, Chevrolet. But, but, but sometimes you got to open your mouth. Simeon began to talk. He began to talk. The Bible says, saying, saying, how many of you know he, Simeon, is about to talk about Jesus? Y'all know that? He, 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 he's about to talk about him. I know from verse 25, I know from that verse, because it informs me that the Holy Spirit rested on Simeon. Now Simeon's about to talk about Jesus. Let me say that one more time. Verse 25 informs me that the Holy Spirit rested on him. Now he's about to talk. Why do I stress that? Let me give a word to the wise. Write this down. You don't want to listen to somebody talk about Jesus who isn't controlled by the Holy Spirit. I hope y'all, if y'all don't hear anything else I say, let me say this. Everybody that's got the title preacher uh, ain't called. You don't want to listen to somebody who ain't filled with the Holy Spirit, who ain't moved by the Holy Spirit, talk about Jesus. No, 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 no. You don't want that. The reason you want it that way, because even when you disagree with the Spirit-filled preacher, you can still trust the Word. So dudes in the barbershop, in the barbershop, we talk about everything. We talk about LeBron. We talk about Steph Curry. We talk about Patrick Mahomes. We talk about Hebrew Israelite stuff. We talk about all of that stuff. In the barbershop, you don't want your Jesus information there because it's too often opinion and not anointed. You need something that's anointed. The Holy Spirit rested on him. When we watch TV sitcoms, watch any TV sitcom now. When Jesus comes up, he's the butt of jokes. My Jesus ain't the butt of jokes. When you talk about Jesus, do you know how serious that is? Do you know how how tension-filled I know to know that I'm supposed to preach every week and I don't want to drop the ball because I want to give him the glory? Yo, uncle or aunt, they know everything about everything. They'll talk about everything, but they don't read the Bible and you getting your Jesus information from them? Simeon, old boy ain't even got three points that start with the same ladder. He don't have a sermon intro. He don't have a sermon conclusion. He ain't preaching the way my preaching instructors are teaching me. But the Holy Spirit rested on <laughs> Golly, that should make everybody in here feel good. Because to do your job effectively, you don't need all of them skills and, 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 and all of the training that you think you need. Nothing wrong with it. But what if the Holy Ghost just rested on you? To raise your kids? What if, what, if, what if Dr. Phil don't have the answer? What if Oprah don't have the answer? What if you just ask the Holy Spirit, as I'm raising these kids, rest on me. Rest on me. Rest on me. Rest on me. I, I, I wonder would your walk be different. I wonder would your talk be different. If the Holy Ghost just rested on you, I wonder would you have to cuss a fool out like you did last week. If the Holy Spirit just rested on you, I wonder would you have to respond back. You wouldn't even, if you just let the Holy Spirit do it. Man, should I say it? No, I ain't going to say it. I'm not going to say it. No, I'm not. Thank you. If you're going to fill the room with talk of Jesus, you need to be filled yourself. Simeon's words, I said prophecy, which is true, but he starts off pretty much, it looks like a prayer, doesn't it? Look at it, verse 29. He says, Master... Now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. I like this because in my translation, here's what he's saying. I can die now. <laughs> All I need, I got. Take me. 
All I need, I don't need a house. I've seen the Messiah. I, I, I don't need a big, a big fancy car. I've seen the Messiah. I don't need my lights on the marquee. Take me. I can go. When you've seen the best, you're ready to go. He, he, he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. I was talking to him all week. I was like, hold on, but it's a helpless babe. He, he, he can't even feed himself, the person you're looking at. He's like, I know PK, but I'm looking at the Messiah. Uh, verse 31, which you have prepared in the presence, I like this, of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, listen to that, to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon knew who he was looking at. So don't underestimate being guided by the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I like verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Praise God that Jesus' redemptive work is universal. It, 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 it's for everybody. It's for black folk, white folk, brown folk, yellow folk, red folk, rich folk, poor folk. He is for, Jesus is for everybody. Here's the problem. Everybody ain't for him. It might be some people in the room today. I'm glad you're here, but you ain't for him. Ain't no need of fake in the funk. You, 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 everybody ain't for him. It's clear, Grant, he's for everybody. Man, he's for everybody. That makes me want to shout even now. The only reason we're up in here, he was for us. He commended his love toward us when we were sinners. He's for everybody, 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 everybody. But everybody ain't for him. Keep reading what Simeon says. Because isn't this a hallmark moment? Right? Isn't this the stuff you can make good Christmas movies about this cute little baby? Not me. Came to bring peace, joy. But listen to Simeon. Simeon kind of messed that up. Because a good preacher will do that. Good preacher make you mad sometimes. Crawford Loritz, one of my favorite preachers. I've gotten to become friends with him. He says, good biblical preaching will get you in trouble. And then he says, good biblical preaching will get you out of trouble. Simeon just going to tell the truth. He's got, read it with me. Verse 33 it says, and the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Verse 34, then they went home. Is that what your Bible says? Then Simeon told them their breakthrough for 2023 was on the way. Is that what your Bible says? Then, then, then Mary and Joseph had no more problems the rest of their lives because they had Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you have no more problems. Now, listen to what Simeon did. Simeon blessed them, but he said to Mother, uh, Mother Mary, this child is destined to have a mega church. Is that what he said? This child is destined to have a chariot with rims on it and a mega ministry. No, he says, this child is destined mm, for the falling and rising of many in Israel. Uh, you ruining the hallmark moment here. In other words, he's going to be good for the humble. He's going to be bad for the haughty. And to be a sign that will be opposed. Jesus, this cute little baby, is going to be opposed. And I'm asking all week, what? But y'all do know Jesus was a sign from God, and he was literally rejected by Israel? We do know that, right? Verse 35, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. Think about if your inner thoughts were revealed. But then he adds this. He could have left it alone right there, but he added this. He said, and I look at him, Mary. A sword is going to pierce your own soul, too. Now, if I'm marrying Joseph, I'm like, uh, run that boss again? I'm serious. Because we've been faithful. 
Man, we walk 90 miles. Run that by us again. Is that the only sermon you got in your pocket? Real talk. Don't, do you not have any other word? A sword? Piercing my soul? But I was virtuous. Uh, the angel told me I was favored of God. The angel told me I was blessed among women. How many of you know you can be blessed and still have to deal with some burdens? How, how many of you know you can be favored by God and still have to go through some, some trying times? You, 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 you can pray and pray and pray, and I'm talking about really mean it. Snot coming out of your nose, tears running down your eyes, and still come home from work and have to walk in the house to some hell. So, so, so here's the thing is, if I'm them, I would be like, hold on, Jesus. We have been living in submission to the law. And this is the word you have for us? Here's the thing. Submission should never be used as a form of manipulation. <laughs> One of my children... They know how to get what they want, one of them. And that's some of us. Submission shouldn't we? By the way, you really can't manipulate God. Some of us have done it so long, we think we're getting away with it. I've been guilty of it. Lord, I didn't pray all last week, but I need you right now, right this minute. And I'm going to pray loud. I, I normally pray soft. If I pray loud and, and, and with passion, you got to hear it. I'm going to go to church this week because I need a breakthrough. Boy, I'm hitting, I'm hitting the nerve. I can tell. Oh, Lord, I, I'm not going to tithe, but I'm going to at least give because I want a breakthrough. I want a blessing. And we, we think submission, uh, uh, but matter of fact, that ain't even really submission. It is just manipulation that you're never going to get away with. One of the reasons I like preaching what I've been preaching, I know it won't be an amen series, because if we do this stuff, life changes for us. But if I'm Mary and Joseph, I'm going to be like, yo, man, surely you must be a false prophet. Surely you must be a false prophet because the TV preacher told me something else. Uh, uh, have y'all read the book of Jeremiah? There's Jeremiah and Hananiah. Most of us would have booked Hananiah at our conferences, and Jeremiah would have been left out. Because Jeremiah said it's going to be 70 years. Hananiah said it's going to be two. We'd rather hear Hananiah. Seven years of what? Hell. Being in captivity, being in bondage. Surely you must be a false prophet. Surely you must not be spirit-led. After all, we've been obeying Jesus. Sometimes we like exalting him, but we don't like to get educated about it. Sometimes we're praising somebody we don't even know. Worship isn't merely about emotionalism. Nobody likes to get emotional about Jesus more than I, but it ain't merely about emotionalism. It's about knowing him. Worship, it's about more than lifting your hands. It's about more than shouting and a hallelujah. We want, am I the only one? We want more than that? I don't mind lifting my hands. I don't mind running if I have to. I don't mind getting on my face, but I want more than that. I want aspects of him that initially I don't even like. There's certain aspects of him I don't like. There's certain things I read in the Bible I don't want to read it, but it's there. That's what I need. I need that. That's what we need. We need Simeons in our life who will prophesy the truth to us. I know he's holy, but he's also the judge. other morning, I was watching the Today Show, eating vegan breakfast. <laughs> I'm serious. And 
they had three preachers on, three faith leaders. I knew what I was going to get, and I got it. One was a Christian preacher. I've seen him on TV several times. One was a Jewish leader. One was a Muslim leader. Again, I knew what I was going to get, and I got it. They were there to tell, you know, really the reason for the season. And, and, and I listened, and I listened, and I listened, and I thought about Simeon. <laughs> Simeon is saying some hard words about Jesus. Y'all realize that, right? But these three faith leaders, they were talking about the holidays. <laughs> Not Christmas. One of them was a Christian preacher, whatever that means. And it hit me. I watched the whole thing. It's Christmas, and they never once mentioned Jesus. I get my cousin not talking about Jesus. I, I, I get my neighbor. But if you on TV... <laughs> I wish they would put me on TV on the Today Show. Oh, my oh my goodness. I would shut it down, man. You give me a chance to talk about Christmas, what else, what else am I going to talk about? If we're here to talk about the holidays, it's about Jesus. <laughs> that ain't what Simeon did. Let me ask you a question. As I watched that and as I juxtaposed it with Simeon, I got a question for you. How, how, how do you want your preacher to preach about your Jesus? Do you want me to give it to you like Burger King? Where you can have it your way? How, how, how do you want your preacher, seriously, to preach about your Jesus? Do you want a Jesus that is palatable? How do, how do you want me to talk about him? Do you want me just to tell you how he's going to bless you? He's going to give you a breakthrough? He's going to give you a miracle? He, do you want me to make him a genie? Do you want me to put him in a bottle and we get to rub the bottle? How do you want Keith Norman to preach about Jesus? I don't get when some people come to me for counseling and I tell them just the truth. I know it's not cool, but man, if you're a girlfriend and a boyfriend, you're not supposed to sleep together and live together. What do y'all want me to say? I know it's not popular. I promise you I love gay people. I promise you I do. But man, what do you want me to say? You want me to say that two men can get married? Is that what y'all want from me? Don't get quiet on me. Man, we got people on NBC more popular than I'll ever be lying. Hallelujah. It ain't just that Christmas is about Jesus. Life is about Jesus. Write this down. When you preach Jesus, don't adjust the truth. Trust the truth. Don't fix it. Don't mix it. Give it to them straight. You know what's interesting? I work out at LA Fitness. People come to me for prayer. People DM me. Isn't that interesting? When you live out loud, I don't get picked at. I had a guy pull me in the basketball section of the gym. Guess what he told me? I want to blow my brains out. Had a lady come to me at the water fountain at the gym crying. Maybe it's because I just live out loud. It ain't because I got all my I's dotted, all my T's crossed. No, no. But what if we think the people that are going to pick at us need us to talk? Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple. When you bring Jesus in the temple, you don't know who you'll affect. Simeon and Anna have been moved by him. What if that Christian preacher on the Today Show had said, he was born in a stable. <laughs> they put him in a manger. <laughs> uh, 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 but he still 
killed the Savior. He lived 33 and a half years and never once sinned, but they hung him on a tree for our sin. Y'all know where I'm going. They put him in a borrowed tomb. He literally died, but what's the word? Early. One Sunday morning, I thought about it this week. I thought about it. I thought about it. Twitch killed himself. What if Twitch needed somebody on NBC to say, Jesus is peace. He's the prince of peace. What, what, what if he didn't have joy? He killed himself because he didn't have joy. All he needed was some bold preacher, not even a bold preacher. Here it is, a preacher that loves Jesus to say in his presence is fullness of joy. Don't you think Twitch needed to hear that, that you can have joy in his presence? You don't have to put a gun to your head. Open up your mouths and tell people about Jesus. Homework assignment, and I'm out of your way. Number one, answer these two questions. Do I bring Jesus into this building in a way that prompts others to praise and proclaim him? Number two, do I live my life outside of Sunday mornings in a way that will prompt others to praise and proclaim him? I'm going to try not to give too many details as I conclude. Years ago, I played organ at a church. The organ sat at the front of the stage. I could see everything. I was a teenager. And uh, first-time guest came. He wasn't the typical first-time guest. When he stood up, nobody even asked him. He talked. I don't remember what he said, and then he said, God has given me a song to sing. That normally ain't good, and it wasn't. Could not sing. But what I remember, it was a very serious church, Pentecostal church. At a certain point, the pastor's wife, who was kind of like my mentor, an older lady, she had to put her hand over her mouth. She, people were laughing. It was that bad. And he would not stop singing. He just kept singing. I remember the song. I could sing it today, Carol. He kept repeating that chorus. In the land where we'll never grow old. That was 19, like 89 and 90. I still remember it because he just didn't, he didn't have the gift to sing. No, your first time guest, you probably want to check with the words of pastor to see if he needs you to sing. <laughs> I'm not serious. And when I looked at the text today, I was thinking, that gentleman overestimated himself, that first-time guest. But this first-time guest here, I'm not going to preach loud. It's impossible for him to overestimate himself. <laughs> y'all don't know when to shout. If I talk loud, y'all would clap. I'm going to say that again. It's impossible for him to sell himself short. Because <laughs> he really is the king. He, he, he really is the Christ. He really is the Messiah. He really is the Lord of Lords. He really is the anointed one. He really is God incarnate. For real. He can't sell himself short because he's all that in a bag of ruffles, lays, So then, I know it's the sermon title. I don't want him as a mere first-time guest. Man, we've been here for some years now. It's a little too late for him to be first-time. We need him to be an all-the-time God, not guest. Guest okay for a man. I, I want him as more than a guest. I, I, need, to, I need us to make him an all the time God when things are bad we still bring him in this house when things ain't going well when when your spouse says I'm leaving still bring him in this house when you have tears rolling down your face still bring him no don't just bring him in this house have him in your house have him in your house and I don't mean your physical house I mean I mean in your temple bring him when things are bad when things are good let's make him more than a first time guest let's make him an all the time God. 
So in the text, Mary would submit to the law, and she would present her babe unto the Lord. At the Nicanor Gate. And then she herself would be sprinkled by the priest with the blood of her sacrifice. <laughs> with the blood of her sacrifice, the priest going to sprinkle her. I love that because in due time, we were to be redeemed by the babe that was with her. Not with the blood of some turtle dove. Not with corruptible things. Not with silver or gold. But with the precious blood of Christ. I, I look at y'all. I realize the only reason we're in here, because some of us in here, man, we love God. That's why we're here. Because you got sprinkled with his blood. You got sprinkled with his blood. No, we got drenched in his blood. <laughs> we ain't here because we like the factory. We here because we don't have a choice but to run for him and tell somebody what he's done for us. Because we know we've been washed. We know we've been cleansed. We know we've been redeemed. And we don't know how to stay in the bed on a Sunday morning. We don't know. We don't know how to get up in the morning and not open up our mouth and at least say thank you. Because you look at yourself and you clean. You clean. You clean. By the way, you clean on the inside where people can't even see. Anybody loving? Yes. <laughs> Ted, when you and I go golfing and you're good and I'm bad, I'm bad. You can golf, but I'm still clean. You golfing with a clean golfer. We both clean on the golf course. The blood works there. So, anybody want to make him? First time guest today? In your heart? Anybody? You've never asked him to save you. You've never asked him to save you. And again, I got to change the first time guest, the king. Anybody want to give the king your heart and let him, let him, check this out, sit down on the throne of your heart? Oh, my. It's nothing like it. Nothing like it. It's nothing like it. Having Jesus sit on the throne of your heart. Here's what I like about it. I'm trying to stop. But what I like about it is when hell break loose, Carol, I ain't tripping. Man, I, I, I'm sorry, but I watch Harry and Meghan, and I keep thinking, I wish they knew Jesus. Because I don't care. Would you care what the media said? When Jesus is in your heart, write about me. Talk about me. I'm settled. I'm safe. He lives inside of me. No, nothing can hurt me. Nothing can harm me. Nothing. 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 So maybe you're here today, you've never appropriated the fact that Jesus came from heaven to earth to die for your sins. Think about that. Think about how many sins you've committed. You've never appropriated the fact that he came as Savior for your sin. Can I give you the opportunity to say, you know what, I believe Jesus came from heaven and earth to die for my sin. He suffered. He bled. He died. They put him on a cross, put him in a tomb. But on the third day, he got up. Now he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can I invite you to do that now? If you want to give your life to the Lord, we're over time. But would you come on down and let me pray for you? Would you please come? The rest of us, let's go ahead and stand. Would you please come? You want a Savior. You want the Savior. Would you come? Would you please come?
Father, we love you. We praise you. We're like Anna and Simeon. Make us a church that can't be quiet when it comes to Jesus, not just Christmas season, but help us to live lives where we bless you with the fruit of our lips. Those of us who consider ourselves shy and personality tests have told us that we're shy and quiet. Would you help us to be open to you, Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, would you help us not to be afraid of you, but open to you? Would you open our mouths, loosen our lips, and help us to bless you? Thank you for being our all-the-time Savior. Be glorified in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let me say this to you. Let's go out and live for him this week and every week. Before we leave, if you haven't given to the Big Give, we just want to help those who need help. That's what we use every penny for. It's not too late. Would you give today? God bless you and keep you.